podcast number four, Laurie Abbey and Abbey uh, Collection Real Estate. Um, we're here, not in the office anymore, but we've come up to Bailey. It's about an hour, hour and a half outside of Denver. Got some beautiful aspen trees in your background. Uh, we've come up here, uh, just have a weekend away. Also obviously do a bit of work um, and obviously crack on some real estate ideas as well. Um, we're up here because one of your clients um, who through last week's podcast, we spoke about how we came to basically the forefront and had to rescue a deal through FHA. It didn't, didn't appraise properly. Um, we somehow managed to get some, some people in charge. I obviously helped with that. Um, we scrambled, we got it done, it appraised, all went through closing, it was great. But what was really interesting last night when we came up here, we had a glass of wine with, with Earl and, it, and his wife, Sonia, and he just talked through some of his, his business acquisitions and, and what he's done in his life. And I thought it was such a good, like heartfelt story of his, of how he sold his business. He was in uh, the ATM servicing business, how he, he kind of got into that business at the start through a lot of luck and, uh, and fortune, but he, he really dealt with the adversity and really prospered. And he was probably up against some really big dogs in the industry. How he went to the banks, he, he managed to get the contracts, the servicing contracts, and he had a left and right column, um, which I thought was really interesting. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that left and right column? He didn't go into it too much, but I thought that kind of buys into kind of your philosophy there, Laurie. I thought it was so great. What's funny is that he said he wrote it on a legal pad of paper and just wrote the things that in his past life he did not like and wrote the things he did like in his past uh, careers. So on the left side, he said, these are things that we did in our old businesses I'm never going to do. And the things on the right side are things that I wish other businesses had done for me. And for the next eight years, he operated his business with the left side and the right side. And every time he had to go think of whether he was going to make a decision or not, he'd go, oh, nope, this is on the left side, can't do it. So he had to work his whole life and business strategy around things that he had written on the left side that he couldn't, that he, that he had to work around, that he was committed to. It was almost like a, what was I saying to him last night, a modern day, well, no, it was an old fashioned way of doing the mission and vision statement. It was completely, and he even said um, he never wanted to work in an office. Yep. Uh, so nobody came to an office, for example. Yep. And he had to figure out ways of having no, no meetings in an office. Um, if they had to pick something up from the office, he figured out to have a drive-through window, for example. Um, and he bought a bank. He bought a bank that was uh, being foreclosed on or something like that to use the bank as a place that he could work and then have the drive-through for his people to yeah. come and pick up the it money. Was, uh, it was hilarious. <laughs> and it was just, you know, now people obviously, they want to telecommute. Yeah. They, they don't want to work from an office. Uh, he was before his time. It's like 30 years before his time. And he just went from, from Colorado where he started his business. Then he went to, I think, Arizona. Then he went to Nevada. They said, you can't do this. He did it. Uh, and then he went to California and he bought a boat and he, uh, then he sailed to Tahiti and he had no uh, idea of where he was going. And all of a sudden he, he got on his binoculars and he saw land and uh, they hit the, uh, <laughs> the islands. And I think the way he lived his life and now he owns his property, several properties up, up in Bailey. Um, I thought, what a great story and what he has done in his life. Before uh, he had his ATM service in business, um, he sold it after eight years and, you know, he lived half his life down in, uh, down in Mexico with his wife. And it's just how much fun they have together. And I think, you know, the fun they had setting up their business, going through their business, going through their mission and vision. And I, I'm not going to do this. And how he looked after his, his, uh, his workers, his employees. 
You yeah, know, that was, that was the, I think that was one of the keys to his success. It sounded like was the way that he, again, this, I don't want this for my employees or me. And then what, what else did he say? He paid everybody exactly the same. Yep. Whether it was a receptionist or the salespeople or whatever else, he made sure that nobody felt, that everybody felt like they were 100% equal in, yeah. in the mission and vision of the company. So well, it, was, it was a great yeah. story. Um, obviously, I didn't know anything about it until, until we met uh, Earl and Sonia last night. And I thought, what a great couple at 81 years old. He still drives his Harley. Uh, you know, he's still got his boat and he just lives his life to the max based off what he's done in his, in his previous careers. And, and well done to him. And I think Earl, Sonia, that's brilliant. Earl and Sonia, brilliant. And thank you for this uh, background view and the wonderful time up here at the cabin with the family and the dogs. So what we're talking about today, Laurie, is with your team, um, you know, you have them read various literature, various research. And one of the books which we'll go through today is, is A Millionaire Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller. And I got interested in this book was because uh, when we first bought Remax Urban Properties and we didn't really know how to get started in the process, um, we were struggling quite a bit the first six months. And I was talking to some agent who has turned out to be a friend, Rob Tate, and I was explaining, actually he was a managing broker of a Keller Williams that had started about the same time we did and they were really flourishing because Keller Williams had a formula. Um, and I sat down with him and was practically crying about how difficult it was to get all of this started. And he gave, he the very next day brought this book by. So that was sort of my experience. So it's a great experience, one, because it gave us sort of a system to get started with on the recruiting but also just to show how i love people out there lifting each other up like yeah, he was managing broker of a competitor office and he stopped what he was doing and brought this book over to our office so it was pretty amazing thanks rob <laughs> so we're just talking about a particular um kind of chapter within the book not going through the whole book um and i think that's really good for the Abbey Collection, you know, when, when you can be really kind of sniper focused on one particular aspect and you can talk about it, really kind of delve deeply into, into that passage. And, you know, we're talking about the nine ways the millionaire real estate agent thinks, you know, how really to get into their mindset, how they can really think big. You know, that's one of Compass's kind of, that's one of the, what, is what they say is their outstanding cultural aspects. You've got to think big, yep. you know, you've got to dream big. Yeah, I would say that that is the agents that I know that are the most successful are the ones that think big. I met Daniel Dixon maybe three years ago, and I think he was only about a year into the business. And I know he was, he's a Keller Williams agent. He was really big on this book. And uh, I think he, it was his second or third year, and he said he was going to get to $100 million. And he's maybe two years behind me, and I am pretty sure he was at 100 million last year because he thought big, and then he put the systems in place to make that happen. And it didn't even occur to him that there would be any other way to be than to work to a place where you get to 100 million. So it's it's amazing watching people around and how these big thoughts will get them where they need to be. I think so. There's a, out of the nine ways, the first two are foundational. That's think powered by a big why. Yeah. And we'll delve into these a little bit later. And the second one is think big goals and big models. And if you don't have those two set up first as your foundation, then you can't really prosper above that. And then it's think possibilities, think action, think without fear, think pro progress, think competitively and strategically, think standards and think service. And they really support the foundational processes behind this. 
So we just delve into the first one is, is think powered by a big why. You know, because of big why, that brings big focus and big energy. You know, if you have that why at the start is why am I in this business? Why do I have the passion to do this? You know, what's my big why? You know, so Laurie, just talk about what is your big why and why did you get into real estate? Well, I got into real estate because I was a single mother and Alexandra was very costly. Um, <laughs> still is. Still is. Uh, but, but really, just joking aside, um, as a single mother, you have, you've got to pay for housing and, and if they're in a sport and everything is sort of on you and if you want to give a certain lifestyle to your child, which I did, it's, it's not cheap to do so in this day and age. And so my initial big why was to make sure that Alexandra had every opportunity out there. And then also my nephews, they both, my sister too was a single mother. And so making sure that they were all able to get taken care of, be in sports, et cetera. So it started off as sort of a goal of helping other people around me have a great lifestyle. And then as I got more into it, um, the, uh, Part of the fun of being out here in nature is that there are deers sometimes running through the property and the dogs want to make sure that we're taken care of. Um, but anyway, uh, then I think as I got further along, I realized she was taken care of. That was all going wonderfully. And you had to sort of keep that passion up, or I had to keep that passion up. And it really then just came down to being my very best self in every transaction. My best self in my relationship, my best self in parenting, my best self in serving my clients and my best self and having the amount of knowledge that I needed to best take care of the people around me. So initially, I think it was a more of a why of desperation, which is not a bad place to start. It will get you a certain ways. But then once, if your goal is to take care of your daughter and your daughter is taken care of, then there needs to be another one or you sort of stop growing. So again, I ultimately, as I review things every year, changed it to just being my very best in every category that's important to me in my life. I think this, this, this chapter, this book goes into like placing personal growth ahead of, of any big why that you have is simply that powerful. High achievers know this. They know that when they decide to be their best and place that at the forefront of all other whys, it will pull the rest in its wake, which is exactly what you said. You had your initial why, hey, I've got to look after my, fam my, my family, my daughter and everybody else, but then it's about you. You know, can you be your best person? Yep. And if you can be your best person moving forward, then that will have obviously then grow everything else. Right, because there's never a time where you reach the top of being your best because each time you grow and you get to a new phase, it opens up new possibilities in your mind and then you have new places to grow. So that is kind of an unlimited way of thinking. Yeah. I think it's, it's it, in the, the big why is about having a purpose, a mission, a mission or a need that turn gives you focus. High achievers always have a big why powering their actions. If you don't have that overall why and then you know that personal growth behind that why, you'll never reach your goals. Otherwise, you'll just be stagnant, you'll hit the ceiling, and you'll never progress you know, as they've reached 100 million or whatever it is, 250 million you know, in, in sales growth from there. I like it, 250 million. Dang, I gotta stop sleeping. <laughs> I think secondly, you know, think big goals and big models into two categories. You know, it turns out they're like yin and yang of Chinese philosophy as it says in the book. One cannot exist without the other. If you have big goals, then to reach them, 
you'll ine inevitably begin a quest for big models. Likewise, big models will drive you towards the achievement of big goals, even if, there's that not, even if that is not your intention. Big goals are about reaching for your true potential. By focusing on big goals, you'll be focused on developing big habits. They will always be appropriate for achieving your highest levels of success. And in taking this approach, you'll find as you grow your big habits, which you'll find as you grow that, your big habits will never hold you back. Small goals tend to facilitate small habits. Big goals tend to facilitate big habits. Big goals require big habits to drive big models. Right, so what do you want to know if I have some big habits? Yeah. Uh, um, as I was reading through this, it, it really made me realize how important that is going to be to getting to the next phase. So I've reached pretty high levels and as I was reading through this, it sort of occurred to me that some of the levels I've reached have been through, as we discussed, work ethic and personal personality and um, just simply hustling. So I've reached this point, but really where I'd like to be is more than triple where I am right now. So I've gotten to this point with really just sort of a toughness and a powering through, the same kind of toughness that gets you to the top of a mountain, like, you know, you can power through, but I can get to the top of a 14er by powering through. Can I get to the top of Mount Everest by powering through? No, I'll probably die. But with that, and it says in the book as well, because it brings up Everest and yeah. it brings up marathons and it brings up other things as well, yep. is that if you just think, oh, I'm just going to get to base camp, that's my goal. That's not good enough. You want to get to the top of Everest. You know, you want to take that selfie at the top, especially if it's you, Laurie. You know, so you've got to begin with a big goal in mind. That big goal is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run the marathon. I'm going to get to the top of Everest. You know, and, and then you constantly build the kind of big habits that serve as key building blocks for your entire career or that entire challenge that you're embarking upon, whether it be Everest, whether it be a Spartan race for you, whether it be a marathon that you've done before, you know, and it's amazing how you get to that goal just by, instead of going, I'm just gonna do a 5K. Okay, that's, that's great, but I wanna do a marathon. I'm gonna really succeed in that marathon. And some people think they haven't trained for it, as you've done previously, or they've trained meticulously for it and they've got there and they've achieved that goal. Because they haven't thought, I'm just gonna do a 3K or a 5K of a fun run, you know, through City Park, for example, I want to do that marathon. Which again, it kind of goes back to where I've gotten in my life is like, oh, I'm just going to go out and run a half marathon. Great. I'm, I'm going to climb a 14 or I'm going to run a half marathon. You can do that with sheer willpower and energy. Um, to get to that marathon or to get to that marathon at a fast pace or to get to the top of Mount Everest requires all of those things, but then with big habits behind them. And so that's where I am going to focus with you and with the team over the next few weeks is putting those habits and those daily actions in place to get to that next big level. Because again, I feel like I've gotten very, very far with just powering through. Now, as I'm reading this book, I'm thinking, oh, I see where I'm missing a few things. I see where I've gotten on sort of, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if there's a natural talent for real estate, but. I've sort of gotten to a, a pretty high level with just natural talent. Now, I'm not going any farther unless I put in some systems and some, some habits and take daily actions that get to that next goal. And so, hey, I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. So as we're growing our team doing this, I'm going to need to be growing myself as well. And I was just, I was just listening to a podcast um, from Nike trained the other day about Roy McElroy. 
um, and how he really progressed his career. One obviously through training and through the physical fitness, but it's also through his mental game as well and his resilience, his robustness, but it's also when he's on, when he's on the course and he's playing golf, he's not worried about his, his last score. Like, you know, is he gonna hit a 67, 72, 73 today? You know, it's right, I'm just gonna focus on the, on the next shot. And the same as tennis. You know, I'm not worried about the first set. I'm not worried about what's going on. Like, I just gotta worry about winning the next point. You know, where's my footwork for that? So it's developing those habits that really get you to that big goal. You know, same as a marathon, you, you've got to get out the door first. You know, you can't just go out and go, I'm going to run a marathon because you probably probably hurt yourself along the way. You know, but if you don't chase those big goals and you don't have those habits in place from the very beginning, yep. it will never get to that, that end goal. You know, I think the trick to soar into your best is to adopt big goals, big models, and then start building the big habits that will support them. You know, so everybody can dream big. Everybody can go right. I'm and that's up. the first step. Yeah. You have to you have to be able to dream big before you could put these other things in place. Yeah. Yes, but everyone can do it. But the same as Daniel Dixon, you know, he got to 100 million not by luck. No. You know, he did it. He put some models in place. He put some systems in place, and it's those daily habits that he really brought on himself, basically, and that discipline that equaled his freedom. You know, um, as another one of my favorite podcasts, Jacko Willink. You know, discipline equals freedom because he's, he's able to do that to himself and he's developed those habits along the way and he's failed and we'll talk about that through one of the other nine aspects in this book as well you know but he's developed those habits and he's, he's then he's progressed to where he needs to be and and you'll do exactly the same the next one is think possibilities you know for anyone who wishes to achieve their very best this becomes a defining moment you know you, you've got the why you've got the big why you decided to adopt big goals and big models to power it but do you really think it's possible to become a truly high achieving real estate agent? And it, it really comes down to affirming or non-affirming answer to this question. Do you think it's possible? I know it's possible. One thing that I absolutely know for sure and that has gotten our dogs okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, one thing that I know for sure is the way, again, some of this goes back to powering th- through things though, uh, one of the ways that we finished the Spartan race and finished a marathon and finished some of the things that I've done or gotten to the place that I'm at right now is when I sit down and try to decide what I'm going to do next or what I'm going to do in my life. And obviously you have to know it's possible and think it's possible. The thing that I always think is if somebody can do this, if it's been done, if it's been done by somebody else, then it can be done by me. Someone found a way to do it. So there is a way to make it happen. And if they did it, I'm doing it. I and just if somebody tells you, especially you can't do that, guess what? You'll find a way to do it. Yes, I will. You know, I think there's, yep. And they talk about the three stages of possibility. Like nothing is possible. Like that simply can't be done. That, that doesn't even figure your imagination. I think. Ah, just go right you know, past that one. Something is possible. So you're kind of like, ah, oh, not sure. Maybe, maybe not. And then anything is possible. I definitely think I have an anything is possible mindset. Again, I think I've got the, the confidence that anything is possible, the drive, the excitement, the big goals, the big why, but we all know where I'm sort of missing. And again, reading these, this particular section of this book really brought a lot of that to my attention. You've been trying to bring it to my attention, but as my boyfriend, it's sort of annoying when you're always right, but um, <laughs> some of the stuff you've said is actually in the book too. So then, then that looks like I'm doing it because the book said it, not because you said it. Yeah. That's kidding. But I think, you know, with those nothing is possible, something is possible, anything is possible, you know, when presented with a challenge, do you first think of ways you could succeed 
or ways you could fail? I think succeed. I don't, I don't even think about the failure part of it. Unless I'm having a really bad day or something. Um, or no. hormones or something like that. But it doesn't... Uh, it's always, how am I going to win this? Yeah, yeah. How am I going to win this? Whether it's negotiation, whether it's whatever it is. And you don't have to win at everything. I'm not yeah. saying that at all. You right. know, but who's, what's going to produce the best of me? You know, is it winning negotiation? If you fail, we fail. Oh. But I think those failures and that adversity makes you a better person at the end of the day. Oh. You know, and, and if you want it, what must happen for you to get it? Yeah, that's what I always try to think is, all right, so this is where I want to be. We talked about that the other day. Yeah. So if I want to make whatever, a million dollars in gross commission, GCI, what are the things that need to happen every day, every week, every month to make that happen? And we talked about it, sat down and, and wrote some of the big picture down. Now the next step is to actually put, again, the systems in place to make that happen. I know what it takes. At least I think I do. I mean, I'll modify as I go and learn. But, um, but again, it's doing the, the, the small steps and the big steps every single day consistently. And it's act as though it were impossible to fail. Right. If you keep, if you keep acting, you're not quitting. You're not failing. Right. You only fail when you quit. So maybe try and error. You may fail, but keep doing what you're doing. You I, may have to modify it. Yes, you I know, was going to say. You have to learn. You have to modify it through experiences. But you get better through experiences. Yeah, that I, I, I definitely fail at a decent amount. Um, and I'll set goals and I will not quite get to them or I'll get to part of them, but not all of them. And then sit back and say, all right, what got me to hear what was successful in getting to this point now what can I take out that wasn't serving me or the goal or the people in my life? Take those things out and then move forward with a slightly different strategy to get me there. So it's not about succeeding, it's about when it's gonna happen and how it's gonna happen. So we'll make it happen. It's just, there might be some modifications along the way. And, and as you know, some failures and some regrouping and taking another deep breath and going forward slightly differently. So now the next one, number four, is think action. You know, the problem for most is that they assemble everything they need to pursue success, and then instead of actually pursuing it, they leave the raft of their salvation on the shore and decide to think about, decide to think about it some more. They hide behind continual inaction while calling it something else altogether. Inaction in the form of additional research, planning, preparation, or more plainly, procrastination. You know. <laughs> Top agents know that no action leads to nowhere. Right. You have to act. You have to have a plan. You have to be focused. And that's those habits that we talked about previously in previous podcasts. You've got to carry out those daily habits to achieve your success. Well, and I think that's a problem. A couple of the team members and I have been talking about lately is you can want everything. You can, you can desire a certain level of success. You could even set the goals. All of those things are a great starting point. That's wonderful. But if you are not taking actions that match that. So one of the things I've been ending a lot of my uh, text messages with lately to my team is uh, what actions are you taking that are going to be the predictor of where you're going to be six months from now. So remember, everything you do today is going to be the predictor of what your sales are going to be like in six months. So think about that as you make your choices for today, because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and so when the book goes into when properly systematized should translate into a consistent set of actions you take every month, week, or day. Right. 
Now, those models and actions help you bring focus to your actions, even when yourself aren't feeling so focused. Right. So, it, for example, if you know that to get to your $1 million, you need to sell X amount of houses. That means you have to sell, you, have, you have to meet X amount of people, which means you need to go to a certain amount of networking events every month, or you need to post a certain amount of things on Instagram if you've got a big following. Like There are certain things that are going to get you to that end goal. And so every day, you have to take steps towards that. So for example, again, if you want to be a neighborhood expert, if you want to be a neighborhood expert and have everybody in, in my case, I want Mayfair, which is where we've lived forever and where I've lived even for longer than forever. Um, I want the people in Mayfair to trust us as their real estate agents. Well, so every single day, if I've got two, three, four, five spare minutes, I need to be thinking, okay, I need to look at what homes have come on the market. Maybe I have time to preview one of those homes. Have we done a neighborhood market update that we've sent out? If we're doing, uh, maybe maybe um, interviewing some people in the neighborhood or interviewing some restaurants or going by the restaurants, there's so many things that could be done to getting us towards that particular end goal, which is to be the neighborhood expert and to be the, the local Mayfair um, real estate agent. So well, they also say as well as, you know, people can say, Laura, you've got natural ability. You know, you've got that charisma. You've got that knowledge. You've got this, that, and the other. And you, can uh, go, you can go and do it. Right. But Hang the, on. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, all right. Okay. Hold your horses there a little bit. But, you know, with this action and this focus of implementing a big model, it takes out that, that natural ability. You know, because anybody can stay on action-orientated items. True. Like you set your daily targets. You set your daily habits. You know, yes, natural ability gives you a jump start. It gives you a head start, and you go, great, I can do this. This is easy for me. Right, it gives you the, it gives you the confidence. Sometimes, though, as you know, with lots of things, whether it be, say, tennis, some people who have a natural ability maybe don't put the systematic practices in place to get to where they need to get to every day. And if they did, they would go even farther than they're, they know they're able to go. So, yeah, I fully agree with you. You take... The natural talent will get you, you know. So on, far. It, it will get you so far. It will get you so far. It will get you a little ways. But it, it's not going to get me where I want to be. And most of the people I know, it's not going to get them where they want to be. It'll, it'll be a sufficient living, but you're not going to have clients as raving fans. You're not going to have excess income to help with your favorite charities, et cetera, et cetera. It'll, it'll, you'll get by with the natural talent. So sometimes that can be even a detriment for people because it, it gets them to a place where they're good, but they're not great. So they're good. They're living a good life. Everything's good, but they're not great. They're not above and beyond because they didn't set the habits up to get them past where that natural talent was going to take them. I see you looking at me. No, I, I think that's exactly right. <laughs> I think, you know, you've got natural talent, you've got the charisma, but you, you've worked hard to get where you are. You haven't just gone, okay, I know a lot of people. Brilliant. That will get me far in real estate. No, you, now you've gone out and you've got the knowledge. You've developed some habits that, you know, you need to develop more. You need to develop a little bit more discipline, you know, within your daily habits. Yeah. But, and you've seen that. Like, the more people you meet, the more people you can get in front of. You know, just as Ryan said last week, you stick anybody in a room with Laurie, they're going to love what you do. Because you've got the knowledge and you've got that charisma. You know, but you're passionate about it. You've got the big why. You know, but your personal growth is, is, is far. You want to do the best you can for your, for your clients. Like, you hold their money in high regard. I do. I always say things like, we're not spending that on this house. And then I forget, then I remember that it's not, it's not my money, but I really do want to make sure they're doing the best they can do with their money and, and making the best investment that they can make. So yeah, I'd say 
and then again, it's the daily actions that get you there. It's the, it's the actions that remind you when you said you wake up and sometimes you just don't want to do certain things. Well, if you know that by the end of the week, I said I would preview five homes and I would do two open houses and I would do this and I would do that. I mean, I suppose you could do it all in one day. But it'd be. Well, I think you start small. I mean, there's, there's yeah. always there's some great books out there, and especially comes from the military. You know, it's, if you wake up in the morning and you accomplish one task, you make your bed, for example. Yes. And then you know you've accomplished something. So you can go, okay, even having the worst day ever, you can go on and make another accomplishment. You can make that one phone call, that first phone call. You can answer that first email. You know, you can really kind of get through your steps of what you're doing for the day, whether you go through all your, your home search for your clients, whether yeah. you look at investment. Um, portfolio for that day you know what's on your on your list to do that day and just make sure you go through a very systemized process of doing that because then okay i've achieved that you can tick it off the list i've achieved that oh and then great also also gives, gives it energizes you yeah. and gives you confidence yeah. to then take on some of the harder challenges you may have a problem that comes up that day but if you're feeling good you're feeling accomplished you're feeling knowledgeable you've gotten a lot of those things done you okay okay so the next one is think without fear you know, when, when agents, they start to move forward, stumbling into some obstacles, and they find themselves paralyzed into inaction by the specter of, of failure. And then fear of failure is, itself becomes our primary fear. You know, you, you've got to think big. And many high achievers have reached their potential simply because they cannot tolerate the thought of failure. Yeah, I would have to say that fear is something that I see with a lot of agents even with some clients, but with a lot of agents, I see that the fear of failure keeps them from doing anything. Just, it completely paralyzes them. I, I've seen it, I see it every day, actually. You know, I, Laura, I, I can't go to that, that networking opportunity. I'm not good in front of people. You know, I'm not good in front of that. And I think once you become knowledgeable, and once you're passionate about something, then it's very easy to speak about it. That's true. I would agree with that. That's very true. I think the knowledge helps bring the confidence, which helps minimize the fear. But then what I think is also very important is that sometimes you just have to act regardless. So act as if, act as if you're successful or just power through the discomfort. That's, I mean, there are many ways to go about it. And the only wrong way is inaction. Any other way that gets you to do what you need to do is what needs to happen smaller th there's always gonna be failures along the way well and that's the other thing too I think if people would understand that each failure gets them closer to their next success as long as they learn something from it then they don't see failure as something that's so frightening failure is something that you are able to learn from that you sit back and think ah I didn't really like how that went didn't really like those conversations because I didn't feel like I was knowledgeable enough in that particular area so the next time I do an open house or go to that particular event or do any of these things, uh, I can overcome that fear by doing these three things I didn't do the last time. So I really do think that taking the action, regardless of your, the potential for failure and just being excited about potentially failing and what you can learn from it and how you can put that into place. I remember your first uh, listing presentation. Uh, you went there on your own. You weren't really given the tools to succeed, to be quite honest, but you learned from it. And I think it was a really good lesson because if you were given everything, then once again, it'd just be easy. You yeah. know, then you probably wouldn't have thought, right, I really need to hammer down these processes to get that listing. That was exactly right. It was, I mean, I had gotten all the ones that were my friends. Um, they, they trusted me, knew I was going to do what needed to happen to 
get them the, the best dollar for their property. But my biggest failure, my first big failure was in one that was over a million dollars. I was only a couple years in. It was in Hilltop, one of my favorite areas. And I, I'd say I biffed it. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but I definitely failed. And I came home, I remember I cried about it. I was so sad because I don't like to fail either. But, um, but I think once again, then you knew what you failed. You didn't go there. You didn't have the price in mind. You know, you probably didn't do as much work as you could have done on with the a, front end. On the front end with, yeah. with the comps and you know what finished levels there were of, of the best comps. And then you could walk in the house as you do now. Yeah. And you're like, bang! This place is worth 600. It's worth 1.2. It's worth 285. Like you know on the dot what this house is going to sell for and what it's worth yeah. based off all the comps. And then that knowledge and confidence that comes with that listing presentation really gets across to the client they're like laurie knows exactly what she's talking about even when he went to the developer the other day uh, and they said you know i should have given it i probably could have given it to somebody in my office it was, a, it was another another agency another brokerage yeah but you came in with your knowledge your experience and you even probably argued a little bit you know with the developer on what level of finishes they they should put into the house but you won them over not by just telling them, hey, you're wrong. Right. You won them over with market knowledge and what you've seen in this market through your years of being being around. Right, and I had done the research. I had it all printed off so that when they, when we were sort of arguing about which direction we would go with where we would price it, et cetera, I had been, one, working on this project for two years, but two, I had printed off everything, just refreshed my knowledge, had it all in front of me, and that is what I failed at my very first listing appointment. I went in and thought, okay, I'll meet them, I'll connect with them, and then I'll go back and do all the knowledge after I've seen the house. And my first impression was not my best impression in that particular case. So it was definitely, so, so that failure just got me a 16 unit townhome deal because I'm not gonna make that same mistake. So it wasn't, it was sad and I didn't like it, but I have not made that mistake again. And it's certainly not, you did not go into your next listing presentation no. with a fear of failure. Like you went there going, right, I'm gonna win this. Yeah, true, or I'm true. Gonna do what it takes to at least be top three, top two, but I'm going to present my best self moving forward. I'm going to do the best I can for that client. And I think as we talked about before with the why, it's really that, you know, your self-worth and what you really feel, you know, your, your best is moving forward. Yeah. So it wasn't, oh, I'm never doing another listing appointment again. I failed. It really sucked. Blah, blah. I was like, I'm not failing again. That's not happening. I'm going to go in and I'm going to be three times as good as the person that was in front of me. Any question they ask me, I'm going to know the answer to. I'm going to know everything. I'm going to know yeah. every single house that's ever sold in this area, ever. Um, and so, uh, so I may have gone a little overboard the next time, but again, didn't, I didn't make the same mistake. <laughs> And it's moving on to think pro progress is, is the next one, number six. I think think progress is about the knowledge that breakthroughs more often than not come through effort and persistence. And then the more you try, the better your odds at succeeding. You know, it's about quantity and repetition and success is in the numbers. You know, the more you try at something, the more you develop strategies because you failed a few times, you know, you're then going to be better because of it. I agree. So the progress is in, again, uh, notice noticing when you failed what shifts or what changes you've made and then being excited about that progress that you've made and figuring out how you can continue that same trajectory of progress so yeah. and it's just part of the learning process you, yeah you're never yeah. gonna be the best person if you start a new industry you're never gonna be the best agent in your first year 
like always, always tell, progressing. Exactly. Like I always tell Alexander, Alexander, whenever she fails at something or gets frustrated, I'm like, you weren't born knowing how to be a real estate agent, knowing how to play tennis. Yeah. Any of these things, you weren't born doing that. So just like learning to walk, that was a nine month to one year process to two years for some people learning how and to walk. You, you fell a lot. And I think <laughs> yeah. that, that persistence yeah. in repetition will eventually yield tremendous results. Like you'll be able to walk yeah. if you and take small are, steps yeah. every day. And mistakes yeah. are progress because you learn from them. You know, there's no point doing the same thing over and over and failing. You have to learn, continue progress, continue refining your skills so you actually eventually get to where you want to be. Right. And, and watch that progress and celebrate it. That's the other thing too is celebrate the progress. Notice when you've gotten better at this listing appointment than you were at the last one. Uh, that'll give you the confidence and it'll also remind you the things that you did to get better and then continue doing those things. And so just moving on, number seven is uh, think competitively and strategically. You know, in competitive is all about a game basically. Like, you know, they talk about playing cards and you play with your friends and you want to win. You want to keep progressing. You're very competitive in whatever you do, apart from you walking with me or taking a hike because you're always like 20 yards behind me. Um, that's just the way it is. You know. That's because as competitive as I am, you're one, more competitive, and two, bigger, stronger, and faster. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's all about think being competitive and being strategic is about playing within the rules. But it's also about knowing that when those rules can be gray, Oh, okay, okay, you know, good. So, you know, Glad you clarified that. And, uh, you know, as it says in this book, the problem is that most real estate agents can't distinguish between the rules, how you play, and strategies of how you win. You know, and the rules about conduct, ethics, and protocol, you can be a master of conduct, ethics, protocol, but still not win the listing presentation, still not get the leads, still not be your best real estate agent there. You know, but rules about proper requisites and restraints you know, strategies are often found in the gray areas between the rules. And I think you're very good at that. You know, yes, rules are rules and you have to follow a certain set of rules in the real estate industry. Right. You know, they're very, they're very straightforward. And if you don't, if you fall outside those rules, then you'll be found. And, and it's as simple as that. And you'll be in and nobody wants to work with you. You've got a commission coming after you, et cetera. But a gray, a gray area is going to be more, um, how you do a negotiation. So a gray area could be in a strategy of a multiple bid situation, for example. Uh, we lost a couple in a row when we were in multiple bid situations. And then I would call the other agents and say, hey, how did we lose? What happened? What could we have done better and differently? And so then I come into the next one with a little bit extra knowledge and the bending the rules just a little, not bending the rules, but pushing it's, the boundary. Yeah, it was strategizing. It's strategizing, you know? one, what does that seller in this particular case need? Uh, how can we work with what my buyer wants and is able to do and match that up with what the seller needs? And that's the strategy. And so then the kind of playing in the gray areas, it, you know, how it, right there, the gray area is right there. What can they do? What do they want? And how do you match them up? And it's sort of right in there that you are strategizing in this particular case, how to win that multiple bid situation. But there's well, other ways to do it. But And also think like it's, it's true by doing multiple transactions and you're not going to win every single one of them. Right. You know, but you can go back and go, oh, two years ago, I had exactly the same circumstances. Yeah. You know, and you tell that to, to your team as well. And hey, you might want to ask this question. You might want to try this strategy out, you know, and then, then you might go, okay, now you can win, you can win this bid. 
Right. And it's so, not, you know, it's not playing without the rules. You're still playing within the rules, and that's very clear. They're very ethical. You play within the rules, but there are certain ways to win certain like multiple bid situations. As one example, multiple bid situation or a listing situation or anything else. So yes, it's it's a strategizing and being competitive and knowing what your competition is doing and then figuring out how to be one step better. Well, not one step, just being your best self and and um, and again, winning for your clients. So just moving on to the next one, um, think standards. You know, if you plan to be successful in real estate, really successful, you'll have to embrace standards. Standards are about defining levels of performance and then holding yourself and others accountable to meeting or exceeding those levels. You know, I talked about, you know, my previous performance roles, you know, you have to drive your standards. You can't be happy with where you're currently at. You know, to reach your potential and to reach your big goals and your big why, you have to drive your standards. You know, and standards are, you know, are you being the best real estate agent? Are you servicing your clients to the best, best of your ability? Are you being your best self? And if you're not being your best self, why? You know, why, why not, and how can you? Yeah, and are you doing the habits every day to get you to be your best self in every single transaction you, you know you perform with your clients? And if you're not, uh, and if you're not performing to your standard or your client's standards too, figuring out how can you put the processes in place to make sure that doesn't happen. For example, we had 17 deals under contract recently, and you were one of them, and you sort of got neglected on the back end because we just had so much going on and you're the boyfriend and it was an investment property and we just figured you knew things and it was a very disappointing transaction for you. So I think, again, part of standards is saying that wasn't, even even though it was my boyfriend who does know about real estate, that wasn't even close to the standards that we want to operate under. So we sat down with you and went through everything step by step and said, how could we have done this part better and differently, this part better and differently. So it was kind of, it was kind of interesting because you had just gone through it right as we were setting up our processes to make it smoother for all of our clients from this point forward. So it was actually a, a failure that we're going to turn into a success. It's also the accountability. Like you have to hold yourself, you know, as a senior broker, as a team lead, if you don't hold your standards, you don't hold yourself accountable, you can't hold other people accountable. Right. So I think the more you drive your standards, that drives other people's standards, and then the whole team becomes better because of it. Agreed. Boom. <laughs> and the last one is uh, Think Service. You know, every top producing agent, you know, in the country, in Denver, wherever, you know, it's their deep and most inherent sense of service. They have the, they have the servant's heart and place their buyers or sellers' real estate experience above all else. They are always thinking service. And that I think is something that I automatically do and am really working with our team who automatically also thinks that way too. I think we've got a very service-oriented team, probably, and that's probably why I've got into this business. But one of the things from beginning to end, and when we sat down and did our listing and buyer processes recently we went we spent five hours one day which i know would have driven you crazy so you're lucky you weren't at that meeting but we, we spent five hours one day going through item by item from beginning to end once we go on a contract what happens then we do this then we do this then what happens what can we do right here to make it more clear for our client make it easier make it a less stress-free process for them because this seems to be where people are getting caught up or where we get a lot of questions okay all right we'll put this into place there and we went from beginning to end on with the entire goal of how can we 
set ourselves apart by being better, by making the process less stressful for our clients and for really for everybody in the transaction. Part of it is obviously setting, um, setting expectations. But again, that, that goes with the service. Here's how the process works. We want it to be less stressful for you. Our job is to take a difficult process and make it fun and easy and educate you and watch out for you and be your advocate, be on your side every moment of the day. I think even before that, I mean, that great service begins with a clear purpose of why somebody should work with you. So you can go and you can talk about why you're the best agent for them. How yeah. are you going to get their house sold in a minimum time for the best price? Always. And again, and even not just sold in the minimum amount of time for the best price, because sometimes their needs are different. Maybe they don't need it to sell quickly. They want the best price. Maybe they don't want any showings. So really it's, again, the service aspect of it is figuring out what is most important to that particular client and then coming up with strategies as to how we can make that make the process work for them and that's really that that value proposition you know as you're the agent giving it to the client you know the very best real estate agents are able to translate this purpose and the reason people should hire them into a specific set of services that they will provide right every single time and you'll really put their needs first it's not your needs nope. it's not like oh i can't I don't want to do an open house this weekend. I don't want to do that for you. No. You're going to serve them the best of your ability. You're going to put your best self forward every single time, every single transaction. Because this is such a massive um, like financial Oh, it's plan a, for them. a bare minimum in Denver, Colorado for the most part, it's almost a half a million dollars every transaction no matter what. So this is the biggest purchase most people will make. And so yes, it is it is my goal to make sure that we are protecting and guiding every single step of the way. Again, and melding that in with the, the client's needs. It is definitely not about us. And then, and yeah, sorry. And then the service areas uh, of that value proposition is really, you know, there's 10 steps here. It's needs analysis, you know, motivating reasons to sell, determining the seller's timetable, price and strategy, which you are excellent at. You know, property pre preparation. Have you gone through maybe a pre-inspection? Have you gone through, does it need to be staged? Do you need to do certain things in the house to really make it, you know, we're gonna sell it at, that, at, that, at the best price it can be sold at. You know, marketing strategy. Every house of it is individual. You can't go, this house is exactly the same as that house because it's not. It's not on the same street. You know, there's not the same schools. It's not the same transport levels around it. There's something very different and very inherent about every single person's house. You know, and then it's receiving offer. Evaluate offers, negotiation to sell. Then you have to sell the place. You know, it's that pre-close preparation, the closing, and then the post-closing as well. Don't forget them. You know we don't. We are a full service for the rest of your life kind of yeah. agent. You want to know where to get your haircut? We'll tell you. You want to know where to get your oil changed? We've got ideas. Um, but anything that has to do with the house, we've got a bevy of resources at our fingertips to be able to help you whether you want something on the high end or something on the lower end um, we take our jobs as the home resource very seriously and so we continue long after the transaction to help with any need that is home related yeah and it just says in the very last sentence of, the, of this of this passage that in many ways the true difference between average service and exceptional service is whether you're just functioning if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, great, got the sale done, perfect, move on, next, next, next. Or are you really that fiduciary, you know, who, who not only does a task job, is also a high trust relationship with his client and they feel completely responsible for the outcome. 
yes. as the agent. I think that that is, uh, if you read any of our reviews, I think that high trust level, that people having the trust because of our knowledge, because of the way that we serve, because of the way that we always want to do our best for our clients, I think that trust level is inherent in our transactions and you'll read it in our reviews and I think that's that's the key. And that will come through time and time again, yeah. like that trust factor because you have the knowledge, you've got their best interests at heart and you want to put your best self forward every transaction. And that takes actually a little bit of the stress away. Not only do we try to make it fun just because we're fun and we try to help with the process and we help to, we try to clarify everything and go through all the steps with you, but I think them trusting that everything we're doing is in their best interest and not only in their best interest, but backed with the knowledge and the experience to get them where they need to be. So I think that all of that combined, everything that we've just been talking about is what has made us very successful. And then there are two or three things in there as I've discussed that I need to incorporate to then take it to the next level. And things I need to incorporate don't necessarily have to do with my clients. They have to do with me putting my own personal habits in the forefront, daily habits, big habits, strategies, and those kinds of things. This is about your best self. Yeah. How can you develop your best self, yep. which then translates to your clients yeah. each and every time, and how you get more leads, more referrals, more listings, you know, and that's how you get it, because you are being your best self. You're not just going through and just going, oh, this, this is average, this is good enough. Right. Well, that's not good enough in today's world, unfortunately. You know, it's very competitive, in, especially in the Denver market. There are huge numbers of real estate agents in the market. What sets you apart from somebody else? How are you going to get the clients? How are you going to service them in the best possible way? And that is simply by being your best self each and every transaction. Right. And then it's not even about the money. The money will follow, as it says in this book and as we know in life. Um, whether it's somebody who decides to be the best janitor, that they could be something that they're passionate about and excited about and decide to be the best janitor they can be, ultimately that person, because they take every single detail so seriously and they're so passionate about being their best, ultimately that type of person is the person who's going to end up running a stadium, running a big company of janitorial services. So the money will follow when the attention to detail because of the care and the concern comes. So it doesn't matter what industry you're in, anything, you will be successful simply by always trying to be your best self for yourself and for the people around you. So I think it's going to be really interesting when we bring this up with the team of the Abbey Collection and you know what kind of conversations we have around it. And it's really about can we drive our own standards individually and then can we drive the standards as a team, have that accountability, but that all starts with the big why, you know, and then it's the big goals and the big models. If we don't have them as a foundational kind of stepping stones, and then we, we can't progress on top of that, you know, so we have the big why that starts with that, you know, but then it gets onto those big goals, big models, and then it's all about possibilities, action, thinking without fear, progress, think competitively and strategically, think standards, and then think service. Yep. Be the best person be the best real estate for each and every client in each and every transaction. Boom. Uh, boom. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> and we got a little thunder in there, some missing dogs, some barking dogs, a little uh, technical error, but we made it through podcast number four. Four. Woo! All right. We will look forward to seeing you all next time. Thank you very much.